Okay, we start a series today on financial freedom, and that's what it's about, freedom. See, this, this year, as, we, uh, um, as we've been praying about what does God have for us in 2019, what's the focus for 2019, fasted, prayed, all that kind of stuff, uh, God has revealed to, to the, the staff, leadership of the church and, um, that this year is about worship. Now, really, we're going to be focusing on worship, developing that as a people of God. Everything that we'll be doing in 2019 is about worship. around whatever is at the center. That's what we worship. Think about your life, what you make the decisions around, what you work around. That is what you worship. And, and God says he's supposed to be there because when God is at the center, our life works well. And when he's not at center, we run into all kinds of problems. And so this year, we're focusing on putting God back in the center. Now, in Scripture, we've been given, the Lord gives us three different areas, different, different means by which we can show our worship to Him very practically. There's the first one is our time. We worship Him through our time, and that's like we keep a Sabbath. We come, you guys are doing that this morning. We gather together and bring in worship. There are certain ways that God said, I want the disciplines, there's ways I want you to demonstrate worship through your time. So we're going to be talking about that this year. Another one is our talents that God has designed you, put you in his kingdom. He's equipped you to do great works for him, right? And so when we start using our talents, centering around Christ, amazing things happen. That's called ministry. And starting this Easter, we're going to have a series that begins on that. We've been working on building a system to help us grow as disciples through that ministry as we set God at the center of our talents. That's amazing. But also the third one is our treasure. Scripture speaks about it very clearly and about taking our treasure, our money, and making it submit to God and putting God at the center of our life even in this. Now, those are the three objective areas in Scripture that we've been given to be able to put God at center. So that's what we're focusing on this year. And so we start with the last one first, treasure, which is where it begins. But the heart behind it is worship. And I'll tell you that there's a powerful thing in worship that when we go to God in worship, there is freedom. Every time we put God at center of that area of our life, that's where we find that he unlocks the, the chains that had held us down. He frees us from the lies that have locked us into dead and terrible ways of living. That's why I'm excited and a little nervous about talking about this particular area. Because I'll tell you, this is not an area that in my life historically has been an area of great strength. I've, in my past, in my history, and just by my wiring, I'm a very people oriented person. I know that probably surprises, like, surprises tons of you, right? Now, I, 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 God, I love God and I love people so very much and I see the world through that lens. And so the financial lens is not something that has particularly been a real strength of mine. And because of that, my wife and I made some pretty bad choices earlier on, which is why we need to Financial Peace University. But I will tell you this, there is power in God's word. And as Amy and I started putting God back in center of our life, we discovered that it was free from, but it was all kinds of, of freedom that we found. We put God at the center of our life right here. When we started to really worship him with the things that we have, and we started putting God first, it was amazing the change that he started doing from the inside of us. And that's what I'm excited to share with you over these next four weeks. See, a lot of the burdens that we carry in life, a lot of the things that, that lock people up is the fact that we, we have failed to put God at center of our life in this area. 
And so we have all kinds of, of burdens. We have all kinds of, of anxieties that God never asked us to carry because we haven't learned how to be faithful in this. Are you tired of having the anxiety? Are you tired of having these burdens, the heaviness of the world, of the, of the security, of, of trying to take care of ourselves? Well, I invite you to go on this journey with us because we will find freedom in Christ. And so one of the things that we begin with is that starting with financial freedom begins with, it begins by having a right view of money, a right view of things. When we start seeing our things the way that God tells us that they truly are, that's where it begins because then we can start making decisions based upon reality, not out of panic, not out of habit, not out of just, you know, ignorance. We can begin to see the world as it is and because of that, we can start making decisions Right choices. So how we see things matters deeply. That's where it starts, which is why our memory verse for today really comes to us from that. And if my clicker would work, the boop-a-doo, it's it. Would we go one more slide because I'm stuck right there? It's our financial, I'll tell you, our our memory verse for this particular one is going to be from Psalm 24, and it says this, the world is the Lord's and everything in it, right? The world and all its inhabitants belong to him. That's an amazing thing. The earth belongs to the Lord and everything in it. The world and all its inhabitants belong to him. Now, right now there's devils in the uh, tech, so what you want to do is I just want you to say it along with me on your, mem- on your green connection card. It is there. And so here we go. You can look at it first. Read it along with me. Here we go. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all its people belong to him. That's Psalm 24.1. The, the, the lie of the enemy is that, that everything belongs to us, right? And so it's, so it's up to us to basically do with this world what we want to, which leads to selfish administration of God's things. And here's the thing about self, when we become selfish, it all becomes about me, and then we become self-destructive. And how many people have destroyed their souls and their lives because of things have decided to begin to own them? This passage is powerful. Whenever you start to get selfish or you begin to think, I need need to get that thing, that thing will make me happy. I need it. You need to remember that God owns it, right? And he owns you. He loves you. And if he wants you to have it, he'll provide a good, righteous way for you to have it. And you can trust him because the the Lord is your provider, is he not? And does he withhold good things from his children? No. And so we get tempted to take things into our own hands. When we get overwhelmed by the urge to have, we can have this verse. And we say, you know what? The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world knows people belong to him. I could trust my God. He has it. He has it. This is a powerful verse that frees us from the mental illness of consumerism, isn't it? It's a powerful one. So I encourage you, memorize this. Take this, tear it off, put it in your pocket, your wallet, put it somewhere, put it on the back of your credit card if you need to, right? Remind yourself of God's word. It's powerful. Now, 
right? How, how, how we can begin to walk in such a way that our things stop possessing us, but we can start managing the things that are there, right? We recognize from that passage that if God's the owner, we are something different. We are what's called asset managers for, the, for God Almighty. Now, there is a, a word that is used in the financial world and sometimes in churches called stewardship, right? And that's a weird word, isn't it? Like, I, I just think of like Stuart Little. It was the only thing that ever came to my mind whenever I heard it. I was like, a steward, what is that? A steward was a person that used to, like, in the, in the Middle Ages, was a person that handled the finances of the royalty, of the, the lord of the land, right? There would be a, a royalty couple who were the only ones allowed to own anything. And all the people who lived on their property basically uh, lived on the master's land, and so they would have their fields and all that kind of stuff. And, and here you have this royal person, that the lord of the land. He would be like, well, I don't want to spend all my day you know, bean counting and all that kind of stuff. This, he wanted to go do royalty things like drink tea with his pinky upper. I don't know what royal people do, but that's what he was, right? So what he would do is he'd hire an asset manager called a steward. This person was a high-ranking person in the kingdom, right? And so his job was to basically see everything that the lord owned, and to make sure it was being used well. That's, and he would have to give an account to the Lord, make sure that, that uh, everything was run good. And if it was run well, then things would go well for, for the steward. If things weren't, then probably things weren't going to go well for that steward, right? Scripture says that we are stewards of God's things. We are stewards of God's assets. We are his asset managers. How are we supposed to manage what is God's? Well, Jesus talks about that. And so in Matthew chapter 6, if you have... Your Bibles, this is an area where, where God gives us, Jesus gives us the very first part of that is by having a right view of God's money, of God's things, of how we're supposed to see it. In fact, this passage in Matthew 6, part of a big sermon that Jesus had done, one of the greatest in the history of, of humanity, begins talking about the different ways of God's kingdom and how there's different kind of freedom there, a better kind of freedom. In this passage, probably the most clear and direct teachings of Jesus on the issue of money and how we can find freedom in it. And in so in that, uh, we also find some incredible follies. In fact, Jesus really covers three follies that a lot of people make with money that we can avoid. And so the first folly that we have in there is he says, don't look to wealth for success. And so we're going to start reading verse 19. I'll go through 21. He says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where the thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Ah, that's amazing. How many people look to their bank accounts and say, have I made it, am I a successful person? A successful person to say, I've got a lot of money or a lot of things. I have the right kind of car or the right kind of house and the right kind of place or all that kind of things. Right? Oftentimes we look to, to our wealth as being the goal. And right here, Jesus is saying that's the wrong goal. Don't store for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Is it that God is against money? Well, that would be ridiculous. I mean, money's not evil in of itself. Jesus said that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But money can be used for great good. In fact, we see time and time again in Scripture where God, he, he entrusts certain people who are faithful with more wealth. And sometimes just as a blessing, just, and blessing means it makes you happy. Right? There are times that God, when, when money stops mastering people, he trusts them with more because he's like, all right, it's not going to destroy you. Enjoy it. 
But the goal is not to have more money in this earth because here's a spoiler for all of us. This world's going to burn up, right? And before it does, most of us will burn up, you know, before that, right? We're going to die. Some of you be cremated. Some of you are like freaked out by that and just be buried. But I'll tell you, either way, you don't get to keep your money. It can't be about this. See, success is so much more. You are so much more than, than the balance of your bank account. The goal is not to die rich, at least not here. Jesus invites us, he says, you know what, there's a better wealth and a true wealth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. It's not going to disappear. And one of the problems with success in this life, if we base it upon money, we're basing our success and our, and our contentment, our goal on something that really isn't a guarantee. You could be the absolute best financial steward, and it is possible for, for you to have all of your money stolen. Did you know that? I mean, look what happened in the 1920s. There were some people who were very good investors, right, who were very, very disciplined. They did all kinds of things, and then overnight they lose their wealth. Was it because they were wrong or bad or anything like that? No, sometimes just bad things happen. I mean, we see how many times we had the flood. How many people do we know had to leave our community because they, they went and they came and insurance companies don't cover flood damage? And all of a sudden, out of no no wrong spending of their own. They lose all of their material possessions. That happens. And you know that most people who are in bankruptcy court are there because of medical bills? And over 70% of the people who, who are declaring bankruptcy have insurance? Which I think is hilarious because insurance is supposed to insure you from that happening. I don't think insurance understands why it's there. I experienced that myself. I'll tell you this, that when we place our hopes on this world and the wealth that we can accumulate in this world, it's a very tenuous place to stand. Which is why most people, when they make wealth their, 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 chief, their thing of success, this is what I want to do, this is what makes me a successful person, what happens is their life is filled with, with two different things. The first one is insecurity. Right? It says right there, don't store up yourself treasures on earth. Why? Where vermin can steal it, right? Where, where it can be destroyed, where thieves can take it. When we make wealth our goal, we put our trust in that, then that's our goal. We become very, very antsy around things of money, don't we? If any little thing looks like there's like a rat's going to go and eat my, my stuff, I get freaked out. You know, I, I'm always terrified of, of the thief that's going to come and take it, whether it's a person or it's an, it's an illness or it's a, it's a natural disaster. I will be terrified. I live my life in anxiety trying to protect this thing. And so my life starts to revolve around that thing. I make my decisions around how I can keep my wealth safe, which is backwards. And so it leads to insecurity. How many people live their lives filled with insecurity, financially, wondering, terrified, am I going to be taken care of? God has a better way for us to live. We don't have to live like that. The second thing that it leads to is not just insecurity, but leads to materialism. When our life centers around protecting our wealth and it all becomes about what I have, this is where, where, where success lies, and by having enough and the right kinds of things, then my hopes, my desires Everything, my goal, becomes material. And I start living for very small things. 
I mean, think about how crazy it is. Someday, when we're, brothers and sisters, we are in the kingdom of God, right? We are, we are before the throne. We are in the new place. God's got a great new house for us, right? You got, you're walking in your new body. You're like, we're, we're walking over like streets of gold. We're like, you know, wealth isn't an issue that we're gonna have to deal with, right? At that time, who cares what kind of, be like, well, way back, I had this house back there because you're gonna have a mansion. When we live for little things, Oftentimes, we live for these tiny things that are so temporary. They blind us to the bigger work that God has for us. It's not that those things are wrong. Trucks are great. I think they're awesome. Nice houses are amazing, especially those that have got a really good kitchen. It's got the little island in it. and you know Those are amazing. Right? Those are awesome. But let's not live for that. We can enjoy the things without having those things be the very things that we put our life around. Because I'll tell you, when money becomes my my form of success, that if I don't have those things, I feel like a failure. If I don't have those things, I will feel like somehow I'm unworthy. If I don't have those things, I want to feel like somehow that God has held out on me. If I don't have those things, I feel like somehow this world is just this, uh, you know, not giving to me what I, what, it, what, I, what I want to have, and so I will feel empty or, or restless, insecure, And I'll tell you, one of those other things that Paul talked about last week is that we will be discontent and we will live this life constantly with this nagging thing like I need to have more. You know, making money the goal of success is not a happy way of living. And yet it's the way that most people in this world live because they don't know that there's a better way. That's what Jesus addresses here. You know, we we recognize that money is great, but it's not success in fact, Jesus says, points to the, the treasures in the kingdom. He says, if you want to have success, store up treasure there. And I'll tell you, I don't know how awesome heavenly treasure's got to be, but it's got to be pretty good because heaven's going to be amazing. And if it could make heaven better, like when you're going to get there, you're going to be sad about whatever you invested in the kingdom. That's what Jesus says. He says, do that, and you don't have to worry about anything taking it away. It's yours. That's real success. When we start to put God's kingdom as the goal, something happens. We find here security. Doesn't he say, store up yourself treasures in heaven? Where? It's not going to get stolen. Nothing's going to take it away. We find security. Not just in our heavenly wealth and the purpose that like, I, I have this, uh, you know, whatever's in heaven is mine, but even in security today. And Jesus talks about that moving ahead in this passage. But we find that our hopes are not in this world, and so, therefore, the things of this world affect us, but they don't destroy us. We weather those storms. And we recognize that we are cared for by a God who really does love us, a God who really does own everything, a God who really does care for us. And because of that, we can experience a different kind of life. Whether or not we have tons, Apostle Paul, we can discover the secret to be content in all those situations. That we can do all of this through Christ who gives us strength, right? Just like the memory verse for the last chapter or the last series. Isn't it amazing? That we then are freed up, freed up, not to live our life based around what money tells me I can do, but upon what God tells me that I can do. We can start living our life for something called purpose, a much better purpose than just making a few bucks. We can live our life for, a, for an eternal purpose, seeing eternities changed in people. We can live our life for a purpose of seeing greater good than just my own personal level of comfort. We can start living our lives for greatness. 
We start to live our lives based upon something called faith, which opens the door for us to see God actually come through in our own lives, which gives us something called testimony. We see God come through. You heard a little of my testimony at the beginning when I talked about Financial Peace University. There is no way humanly possible that, God will, that, that I could have been set free from the debt that I was in. No way. Amy and I went through the first Financial Peace University, and we were so discouraged because we looked at our numbers and we were like, this is hopeless. That's what we felt. We looked at it. We're like, there is no way. But we were invited to take steps of faith. We said, God, it's yours anyway. You own it. You own us. And up from this point on, we will be faithful. And if we have to walk around with that debt, then you're going to allow it. But if you don't, then that's fine too. We started to walk faithfully. We put God first. We started making our decisions around what he had in his purpose for our lives. We started to be faithful, and then guess what happened? God brought freedom. He didn't have to, but he does. That's testimony. You want to see God work in your life? You got to walk the walk of faith. You got to put yourself out there so if God doesn't come through, you'll fall. So that way, when you don't fall, you know he came through. We can start living that way. This is not for other people, super saints that are out there. You are the saint that God has called to walk in power in this world. And he invites us to do that. But we have got to say there's a different level of success. It's not money. Success is seeking the kingdom. Success is my faithfulness. Success is God at work in my life. When that happens, then I live my life life in such a way where I have this thing called hope. Hope is not just wishful thinking. Well, I hope God comes through. Now, hope biblically is an absolute assurance We haven't seen it quite yet, but I know God is coming through. See, the hope is not just in the big thing, like when I get to the kingdom, I will be saved, but that somehow, and that somehow, some way, I'm going to be able to eat, and somehow, some way, I'm going to be able to take care of my kids, that somehow, some way, that my hope is in God. Whatever is the big financial thing that worries you, your hope is in God. He comes through. Isn't that a better way to live? You know, the second thing is is that we we say that when... uh, we make sure that, that it's not our success. We go back in there, verse uh, 22 to 24. We recognize that it's not just our success, that when, mel- when wealth becomes our focus, it also becomes our master. That's one of the problems about making money a, a, a form of success. In verse 22, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then... That darkness is, uh, if then, the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And then he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. There is a reason that whole passage there about seeing well is in this passage. Jesus isn't teaching about having good eye care. Jesus loves blind people too. What he's saying is, in context, he's talking about money and how we view it, doesn't he? And he says, listen, if you don't see things the way that they truly are, if you're blinded by, by the lie of what money is, if you start seeing money as your master, if, if this is darkness, you, you live your life blinded to the fact that God owns everything, how dark is your life? How many people live in this world terrified, hopeless, because of the financial realities around them? or the fears of the financial oralities around them. And then he goes on to say, we've got to see it the way it really is. 
What is that light that he talks about? God is the one who owns it all. You can't serve two masters. Money will become your master if you don't master it. It's a powerful thing, isn't it? It's like a lion. Lions are cool, right? Have you ever gone to the zoo and you're like, and then they scare you because they're so loud? And if I was ever on the African savanna and I saw a lion and I wasn't in a Jeep with a big gun, I would be a little nervous. Lions are powerful things. They're not evil, but they're capable of great destruction if you're not careful. Money is like that. And God has entrusted you a very powerful thing and you can tame it. You could make it do powerful, awesome things. Because if you have a lion on your side, you know how cool that is. Like some people have guard dogs. Can you imagine if you had a guard lion at your house? No one would ever steal from you. Right? You, you could walk through any city. See, money is a powerful thing, but it's very powerful, which means if you don't tame it, it's like a wild lion. It will tame you. And so Jesus says, listen, you can't serve both God and money. If you do that, they have different opposing things. Money's going to make you live for selfish things, small things. But if you can master your money, if you really can, if you can tame that beast, if you put it in its place so that God can stay at center, you take it out of that center point of your life and you put the king of kings there. Well, then Jesus really talks about it going on there, the very power of having God as the one that we truly worship. And so we have to start by saying, money can't be our measure of success anymore. That's what really was with Amy and me. We were looking to money for some wrong things. And you have to begin by saying, God will take care of my needs financially. God doesn't just keep his people impoverished. God really does bless his people, but it can't be the goal. It can't be the goal. The second thing we find there is that, is that we can't look to our wealth then for security. Why? Because security comes from God, not from our things. Verse 25 through 31. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can you add one hour to your life by, can you add by worrying a single hour to your life? Oh, that's a great question. And then he goes on, he says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. And I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For your for pagans run after all of these things, but your heavenly Father knows what, that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Amen, Jesus. That is true. Understand that security doesn't come to us from having things. Things can come, things can go. You could be the most wealthy person in the world and you can still have calamity hit. We look to, to money for security oftentimes because money can, money can provide clothes. Money can provide food. Money can provide influence, right? Money can provide comfort. Money can help us weather certain things, right? And so oftentimes because money has that ability, oftentimes we look to it then for our security. And we say, if I have money, I feel secure. And yet, 
When we look to it for that kind of security, we recognize then we become very insecure because things can take away that money really rapidly. They have nothing to do with us. Or sometimes it is us. Sometimes it's our own stupidity that we can't trust, right? And we'll lose it. And we have to worry about that. Security has to be in something bigger than that. And so Jesus says, stop putting your security in in your wealth. God loves you. Money will make you its slave, won't it? How many people actually destroy their lives? I mean, they work themselves physically to death for the sake of having a little bit more in their bank account so that they can have a little more security. How many people destroy their marriages, their families, don't have relationships with their kids, right? All of these things destroy the bigger things in life just so that they can secure a better better cushion so they can feel that they have more security in this life, a false security. Far too many. Jesus said that is the way that most people operate. But didn't he say, isn't life more than food or more than clothes? Isn't it more than material things? God wants you to live, live in this world, not just scrape by, not just have barely enough. God wants you to live. He wants you to have a great marriage and to know your kids and to have influence on your grandchildren, to be successful in the community and making an influence, an impact for him that lasts not just today, but has reverberations for for generations. God wants to work in you. And he wants you to enjoy this life, not feel paralyzed by it. And so we have to say, what's going to take better care of me? Will money take care of me? Mm, To a point, yeah, you can eat, you can sleep, you can do all those things, but you always be worried about it. Or you can trust that your heavenly father loves you, knows your needs. God really does know your needs. Can you trust your heavenly father to meet your needs? And I think the fear is to say, well, yeah, but God will meet my needs, but just barely. God doesn't say he'll give me my wants, just my needs. God's just going to give me bread and water. He's like, that's all you need. God did not make the world as some type of of horrible prison camp. He made it a paradise. There were fruits on the trees all over for Adam and Eve, right? God is a God that provides richly for his children. That's what he does. But he will not provide for us if the We have to begin by saying, God, I'm going to trust you. God's not just in it for your survival. He's this new life he wants you to live. But we have to start putting our security in him. Bad things happen to good people all day long, but all those bad things don't remove us from God's provision, his protection. It sometimes takes a while. He lets us walk through that valley of faith so we know we can trust him. But God will care for you. God will care for you because God cares for you. The third thing that we find in here is that we can't look to wealth for our identity. A lot of people find their identity in their socioeconomic status, right? A lot of times we look at other people and say, well, that's, that person's like way wealthy, I can't hang out with them, or that person's really poor, man, I don't want to hang out with them. Or we look at our own bank account and we're like, I've got a lot, so I feel good about myself, or I don't have much, so I don't feel good about myself, right? In the, in the Gospels, in, in the New Testament, over and over, it says we're not to play favorites. We're not supposed to judge people nor ourselves based upon the level of wealth. God calls every person. There, there, there are people that have a lot of money that need to know Jesus. And there are people that don't have much money at all that need to know Jesus. And there are a lot of people in the middle class that need to know Jesus. So God puts his kingdom in all of it, right? And you have been called to serve right where you are. Your identity is not by your checkbook. You are so much more to God than your bottom line. 
I mean, look at what he said, 34, verse 34. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have its worries for its own. Each day is enough trouble for its own, right? I mean, think about that. How many people are so worried about taking care of my financial situation? You're like, God's got me. I'm supposed to take care of his kingdom. I'm finding my identity and making sure that, I, that all my financial things line up so that way I can, I can be the kind of person that I want to be. No, no. God said, don't worry about that. There will be troubles today. There will be troubles tomorrow, but God will never leave you. I love that even before he talks about the grass, the field, he says, listen, uh, look at the grass, clothed better than you guys are. They didn't even have to work for it. Why? God took care of them. Now, that's not that's supposed to mean that we're supposed to go stand outside naked and wait for God to clothe us, because that'd be weird. What it does mean is that we stand where God puts us, and we trust him to clothe us with exactly what we need. Wherever it is he's called you to serve, can you serve there faithfully? Can you trust that God is going to meet those needs and he's going to allow you today to be perfectly equipped to to do exactly what he's called you to do? Because if that's the case, then your identity doesn't come from where you stand on some kind of social ladder of, of wealth. Your identity is the fact that you are a child of God. Some people in the kingdom of God have been called to wear crowns, right? We need that. That happens. And there are some brothers and sisters who have been called to serve in that level. Not because God loves them more, but because they are called by the kingdom to serve there, to reach people for God in that capacity. And there are others who are called to live simply. There are some, like Paul, like Jesus, who were called to live in this world without much so that they could reach people there and say there is something more. Wherever you are is exactly where God is calling you to serve today. Your identity is in Him. That's where we begin to find it. And when we do that, then we stop looking to this thing called money to tell me who I am. I don't need my money to tell me who I am. I've got a God who is my heavenly Father who's told me exactly who I am. No matter my, my financial status in this world, I can find success in him. I can, in, I can invest richly in the kingdom for not just some spiritual reward, and, but for real reward. That's what he calls us to do. You know, we begin this series on financial freedom with a very simple message from God from Christ to us. We have financial freedom begins when we start to see the world as it truly is. When we change our view of money is where it begins, and time, and our talents, so we put God at center. And we'll be doing that this year. And next week, we're going to really be going into to what, is it, what does it mean to follow God in this? We're going to, in fact, I'm very nervous and excited about what's going to happen next week. I've been praying, fasting, working towards something big is happening next week. And I would encourage you to, to be able to join me in praying and fasting for what it is that God has in you, what he's going to do in you, how he's going to free you to be able to walk in this kind of freedom. There are some very practical things that we're going to be, that we're going to be doing as a church, challenging together to grow in this so we can be set free and to, to really put God at center. And I'm excited for that. But this week, we need to start with this. Put money in its place. See it as it really is. That's the challenge, right? So the Scripture teaches us, don't look to money for success. Do a heart check this week. Really do a heart check. Are you looking to money for success? Are you looking to money for identity? 
right? Are you looking to money for security? Money's not bad, but are you looking to it to provide those things? Because if you are, then you're not looking to Christ to provide those chances. Your life will go askew because the wrong thing's at center. So this week, I, my encouragement is to begin to have a right view of money, to see it as Scripture and the, as really showed us it is, so that your eyes are filled with light and that we can live a better way. How do we do that? Well, on your connection cards, I have some suggestions, some, some things that you might want to do that could help. The first one is Scripture does give us a right view of money, right? There's Psalm 24.1. Maybe you memorize that. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to Him. Maybe that's something that we begin with, to recognize that you are not outside of God's control. You're not outside of His ownership. He loves you. He cares for you. And all the things that you need, He has. And He is very good at taking care of those He loves. So maybe you start with the truth of God and you memorize that. Or maybe you want to read Deuteronomy chapter 8. Why Deuteronomy chapter 8? Because this was for me the chapter that broke the chains of disobedience in my life. I always had this thing where it says, God, well, how can it possibly be yours if I earned it? Anybody feel that way? Like, Lord, I'm the one going to the office all the time and doing all the stuff and, you know, working and aching out, uh, sort of, uh, living by the sweat of my brow. It's mine. How could you dare you say that it's yours? This passage addresses that because God knew that we as people would have that question. And if you have that question, you want to know how God, if you could sit down with God and say, this is my challenge to you, God, about it's yours. I think it's mine. Read Deuteronomy 8. God answers it. Maybe what you need to do is join Financial Peace University. If you forgot to write FPU on the front of your page, now you can check it here. This will also work. Take those steps of faithfulness. I'll tell you what, how about this? Or maybe you want to attend for this series. You want to be here and see what God has for us financially. This is good news. This is empowering because God is setting us free, unleashing us to do mighty works in this community for His kingdom. And so you say, you know, I want to be part of this. I want freedom. I've been living in bondage to my things long enough. Don't be afraid of commitment. The enemy always tells you to be afraid of a commitment because he's afraid of what God's going to do in you. Make him afraid. Sign up and say, I'm going to be here. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to put God first in my time and my talents and my treasure. And I'll tell you what, there's a freedom there and a power in life that you just, it's phenomenal. So join us. Maybe that's what you do. Maybe you have another commitment. Write that down. Or you have a prayer request. This is your opportunity. Write that down right now. And here in a minute, we're going to take our offering. Just a few seconds, actually. As we do, please take these connection cards along with your tithes, your gifts, and your offerings and bring them to the Lord, a sacrifice at center. Let's pray for all of those, and then uh, we'll have the worship team come and close up with some great worship. Father God, you're powerful, you're good, you're mighty, and, Lord, you're provider. Help us to put you at center. Help us to worship you truly with everything that we are. And so, Father, today I pray that you would overcome the doubt that we have in our hearts to give us the courage to step out in faith so that we can find you there. Lord, if there are those here this morning that are being owned by their money, I pray, Father, you would set them free. Open their eyes to the reality of things. That you already own it and you care for them. And, Father, help us to be good stewards, to take care of the things, to manage it well, which you've given us. We've made commitments today, Father. Help us to keep those through the power of your Holy Spirit, that, Father, that wouldn't be just religious acts, but, Father, that you would work in these things to transform us in our lives, that we would see you there. And, Father, I pray for this series as we move ahead in it, God, that 
that you would empower this church, you would do a work amongst us, not just in our money, but through a desire of, our, of our, this community, of this church to put you at center in everything so that the good works that you have prepared in advance for us will be something that we will be able to not just do, but, Father, we would enjoy and that we would see amazing things happen for them. So, Lord, work in this. Pray for our tithes and our offerings today. They are just a symbol, a sign of our, of our love and gratitude and obedience to you, putting you at center. Please bless those. Multiply them for the use of your kingdom. Father, I pray too for anything else that our people have come here today, burdens that have weighed them down, that your Holy Spirit would bless them this week, set them free in Jesus' name. We pray all of this, Lord, through the power of Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our provider. Amen.